Your regular teacher didn't have the foresight to leave me a lesson plan. She did, however, leave me a note, but that was for the police and next of kin. known diary of Casey P. Regan. (laughs) He said P. October the 1st, year of our Lord 2020. I implore the reader of this diary to look upon me with merciful eyes. Though I know not where my future should take me, I have, as of late, become gripped by an indescribable terror. It hangs around my neck as the albatross, and I fear the fabled yoke draws me towards my doom. When fellow students Greg P. Hansen, Jamie P. Kennedy, Joshua P. Roth, and myself decided to attend class here at Video High, our pursuit, our noble aim, was to bring a scholarly, albeit jocular eye, to the overlooked treasures hidden amongst the exhaust of cinema history's machinations. We thought our fellow man foolish for being so close-minded and laughed in haughty tones on our own enlightened views. Oh, how I yearn for those simpler days and weep as to my comrades' unspeakable disillusions. What fools we were. What fools. First impressions of James P. Gribben's horror comedy Shadow Creature cast it as a plain thing. On the surface, a simple schlock creature feature. The plot follows Detective Brighton, a member of the Cleveland Police, who looks like if Crispin Glover was fired from Back to the Future for using HGH. (laughs) And his investigation into a series of gruesome murders. These deaths are revealed to be the feasting of a beast made flesh by the hubris of man's science and the fear of man's pattern baldness. (laughs) He is aided by Melvin, a college professor so hated that it is perfectly understandable his students would want to fuck the corpse of his dead wife and daughter. (laughs) Not to mention Jackie, who is, let me see here, a woman. (laughs) Blocking our hero's path towards the truth is the megalomaniacal Mare Greenspan, in whose bald head reflects the follies of all mankind. But a closer look revealed something beyond description like staring at a bedspread with both paisley and cheetah print and it stares back at you we of video high attempted to cast our pods to make sense of what we had seen beyond the veil that separates us from the shadow creature night fell and the hours dragged on but still we murmured to each other of the professor and the really big taser gun We spoke of bait shops, while outside the fog roiled against the blank window panes as the cloud waves roll and break on the shores of Cleveland. (laughs) And what waits for me beyond the shores of Cleveland? I can only imagine a horror too sublimely ineffable 
and impossibly unutterable and subtly incommunicable, which is very convenient considering I'm writing about it. <laughs> Only one thing is certain. Here there be monsters. Gooey, denim-wearing, really, really, really short monsters. In the dwindling flame of my sanity, I found myself thinking to quotes from an author long dead, the voice of Howard P. Lovecraft. <laughs> the world is indeed comic, he said, but the joke is on mankind. He also said, yeah, that's a perfectly fine name for a cat. <laughs> This is Shadow Creature. You wouldn't happen to be doing any genetic type experiments that involve a seven foot slug like lizard? What? Because it's right outside the door. The results could be catastrophic. First, Cleveland, then Toledo, and possibly the world. Uh. So this movie broke my brain. <laughs> I am so into it. I don't know what I felt about this movie. It's called a hard-on. <laughs> uh, yeah, it drove me mad. Genuinely, I do feel like a sort of wayfish young lad in a Lovecraft novel. Like, I've gone too deep into this movie. You, you all can see, like, my hair has gone absolute white just from the horror that I've experienced watching this movie. <laughs> I look as though I've aged 25 years. Yeah, you're going to need some hair grow to fix that. <laughs> yeah. You know, my inclination is to always imagine every movie we watch is made by a genius. And the reason why James P. Gribbons only directed one movie is because this was all he wanted to say. It was <laughs> perfect. It, he's Harper Lee. He, he was like, I did it. Right. If uh, James P. Gribbons is uh, Harper Lee, does that mean in like the next two years we'll be seeing a shadow creature too, where it turns out the shadow creature is actually racist? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Hey, zebra mussels, ostensibly black and white, you know, it could go <laughs> Shit. Is this, is, wait, this is really sounding like a Lovecraft story, though. <laughs> Let's take the role quickly before we are all babbling incoherently yeah. mad. Greg Hansen? Uh, you can call me the master baiter. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Kennedy? In this essay, I will argue who truly is the monster of this movie. Is it the mutated titular shadow creature? Or is it an ineffective meathead self-absorbed cop with a stupid singular earring who's the walking poster child for defunding the police? The answer probably won't surprise you. <laughs> Casey Regan, sort of present. And Josh Roth. I'm giving this movie a yellow card for a flagrant use of two specials and a featured guest star. <laughs> As the floor sweeper. <laughs> Which did not live up to the special appearance. It did not. The moment when there was a card that, that said special appearance, such and such as the floor sweeper, I, I was like, ooh, I'm going to look up this guy. He must have been you know, some hot shot in uh, Cleveland in 1995. Surprise, surprise, nope. <laughs> no, he was just like a, a gaffer or he was a like grip. their bud. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you can't think that the people who like special guest and featured in this movie are like comedians or actors in Cleveland because though the 
fiction of the movie is set in Cleveland. It was shot in Buffalo. Oh, yeah. Why not just set it in Buffalo? I've worked on, I think, two shows at this point that shot L.A. for Cleveland specifically. So, you know. Yeah, but everyone shoots L.A. for somewhere else. You don't, like, you don't need to shoot Buffalo for Cleveland. They're, like... 400 miles apart. Like it's... <laughs> it is like literally a lateral move. I mean, where I do think, you start? I think you have to start at the beginning with the meathead cop who's wearing a talking heads jacket oh. far too wide for his already enormous shoulders. And pulls up to a welfare check, I think. In a hot rod sports car with the sirens and immediately just like drawing his gun ready to shoot down anyone. We're never given like why they were called there. Like they just show up and they're looking for uh, this guy whose name I cannot remember. Uh, and oh, just... neither does the movie. Yeah, no. <laughs> Mr. Brown, Cornelius Brown. Don't Cornelius worry, I've remembered Brown, right? everything. <laughs> I've forgotten <laughs> names of cousins. And I'm not entire. I'm a little hazy on my mother's birthday. But, <laughs> but Cornelius Brown. <laughs> yeah, Cornelius Brown is the name of the guy whose house they go to for a detail. Detective Brighton and his uh, partner. Carla. Carla. Do something. <laughs> we don't know what they're meant to do. Because they are totally taken off guard by the fact that the house, the doors open, the house seems a little like turned over. They make their way out to the backyard and they find a little piece of cloth hanging from a tree. And Brighton says, I need to call this in. Like, Chief, there's a there's a bit of tartan kilt hanging from a tree. The northern clans are on the march. Like, it's like, what? But then Carla continues investigating the backyard and then you know, some horror movies, they'll wait, they'll hold and build the tension until they reveal the monster in the movie. <laughs> no, no, not Shadow Creature, baby. <laughs> We're going to show you a wide shot of, of the monster just kind of doggy paddling yeah. around. <laughs> and then Carla, as she's looking, from a tree hanging upside down is a dead body presumed to be Mr. Brown. And then, yeah, cut to opening credits. And then absolute nonsense. <laughs> Well, that so I just I before we get into anything, like I have to talk about my biggest problem with this movie. I it's not the horror. It's the fact that this is the most loathsome main character that I have seen in a movie in a very long time. And like he's not supposed to be loathsome. He just is like he is not good at his job he uh is everything again that you you don't want in law enforcement like he shows no compassion for anyone that he is trying to like save uh he's I'll, i'll keep hitting bullet points as we go but i hated this man so much I can't argue that he is the absolute worst. So who are we rooting for then? I think we're rooting for the shadow creature. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is a movie made by horror nerds that wanted to make creature effects. Everything else is a delivery system for unfortunate caricatures to get eaten by a dude in a rubber suit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To paint the pic, let's paint the picture of this 
I'll, I'll paint the picture. Yeah, he please. looks and acts like a sidekick bully in a 90s kid movie. <laughs> yes. We are supposed to root for him, but like this cop is not there to save any of those people. He's just like bored. <laughs> uh, what's great is that his name is Brighton and he's so fucking dim. <laughs> nice. I have a theory. Be- let- let's take a look at Brighton for a minute. He drives a bright red sports car. He reads X-Men while on duty. And later when he sees Jackie naked, it's like he's never seen another female human before. Yeah. I think he has like the Jack disease (laughs) where like he's really 13. And he's like, I want to be a cop because uh, I get to kill people and I won't barf. Yes. I can get behind this theory. Yes. Oh my this god! It all makes sense. If he was in his mind a child, that it, it makes sense that he'd go to a car dealership and be like, "Give me the one that looks like my bed." <laughs> <laughs> I do love that he. Yes, I am down with this. He is like a boy trapped in a man's body, and what a fucking body! Because the actor who plays him, Shane Minor, he sure was. <laughs> Coincidence? I think not. You're just not asking the right questions. (laughs) A quick Googling of Shane Miner will show you that he was a Mr. USA, and you don't have to leave the first page of Google Images to find a picture of his dick. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He he is a Mr. USA and Playgirl Centerfold, Shane Miner. And you know what? His dick... Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Not not exceptional, but like it'll get the job done. It was hard to tell if it was like an average sized dick that was hard or like a huge dick that was soft but muscular, like the rest of him. <laughs> 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 I, I, I had it open on my laptop the whole time I was watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Getting like someone who is just like man meat to play him is like really brilliant because later when the movie sexualizes him it's uncomfortable he is very yeah. childish <laughs> when it comes it's to big, yeah it really is the teenager's fantasy version of a sex scene in a movie right <laughs> and it's so uncomfortable so back to the plot <laughs> what okay to be honest, the, the the capsule version of this movie is there is serum and it gets dumped on fish. It <laughs> fish bites guy. Guy turns into monster. Monster destroys Cleveland. Like that's the movie. And then we just have a a fucking lunkhead going around being like, "You gotta tell me what you know." <laughs> well, let's go with what you said, Jamie, and said it was a welfare check. For like a aged or infirmed or so. We know nothing about Cornelius Brown. We just hear about him later in the movie. But he hates that shit. Later in the movie, the the very mention of him having to do paperwork sends him into a rage. <laughs> like he does not like anything about being a police officer except for the violence. And if you have any question about it, his third line in the movie is Why does the chief give us this detail? He knows I hate it. Maybe that's the reason. I didn't join the force to do this crap. I'd like to see some action. Again, he's the poster child for defunding the police. (laughs) 
But they go about telling this incredibly simple story in the most convoluted, insane way. Because the mutagen that causes the creature, is it barrels of radioactive waste from a nuclear facility? No. Is it some sort of alien meteorite that has been uh, infecting the surrounding plant life? No. It is a hair grow formula that a local community university professor was commissioned to make by the mayor of Cleveland who got the money from gangsters. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Greg, will, will you tell us uh, during the ripoff report card which of the filmmakers involved with this movie were themselves bald? Because there had to be someone. <laughs> yeah, they, they felt this personally. Here is what I like about this movie. <laughs> is everything, I think. <laughs> I think every moment. <laughs> when it comes to movies in general... The thing that I want is for the movie to make choices. And this movie, five minutes in, I had to pause and do stretches. <laughs> First, we see a, like, the West African mayor of Cleveland bemoaning the fact that his, like, hair grow scheme has not worked out. In the back of a limo, watching the morning news. <laughs> a... Mafia guy fucking raz a paraplegic. A cop gets hit by a car. He stumbles out of his car, like, with his gun drawn, rolls over the hood of another car very terribly, and points his gun at the driver of the car, which did nothing, like, who did nothing, walks off. The look on his face is like, come on, man, like, I'm a cop, you know that. Not a psychopath pointing a gun at you. Never once in the movie does he actually pull out a badge. No. The only mention of a badge is when he's, is when he's told to turn it in, which we, we never see. see. No. And then at the end of that sequence, a like Dickensian street urchin, a newsie with papes in hand, walks in and he's like, please, sir, can I have a slice of pizza? Like, but it's Cleveland. <laughs> and counts out pennies. And the guy behind the counter is like, it's fine. Just take the pizza. Right. The guy who then uh, harassing the guy in the wheelchair comes in and steals the pizza. And then when Meathead T-Cop is arresting him, he just says, Hey, that's my pizza. Hey, who are you? What do you think you're doing? We're going to have a real intimate conversation on the way downtown. Hey, I don't take that. I don't like that. Let's go. Come on. And then Brighton bonks his head off the yes, yes. door of the pizza place. Emphasis and we get on bonk. Real bonks, and then we get fucking Looney Tunes Tweety Bird sound effects. Because nothing says horror movie like the Hanna Barbera Library. <laughs> this movie's nonsense quotient is so high, and I was so into it. I'm kind of bummed that you didn't like it, Jamie, because scenes would switch on a dime. I think the movie really kicks into insanity in the next scene when we meet. Uh, Professor Melvin and Dr. Blankerman, who I assumed was going to be the main character throughout the entire movie. We never see him again. <laughs> I ran the first series of tests on the hair girl, and the results all came back negative. Well, we'll just have to try a different approach, that's all. That reminds me. Do you want to see my science project? Oh, I get wet just thinking about it. <laughs> it's it was such a throwaway though like i didn't hear it the first time and then i watched it again and i was like what the fuck <laughs> so great so dr blinkerman 
shows uh, Professor Melvin his RBTG. What is that? I call it the RBTG. Really big taser gun. It certainly shreds the edges of reality. Fun fact, the game Doom, which features the BFG, big fucking gun, came out in 1993, two years prior to this film. <laughs> it's almost like this movie stole some stuff. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do like Chekhov's really big chaser gun. Because <laughs> seriously. There's no way that that's ever going to come back, right? You introduce that and then you just drop it in the first five minutes of the film. <laughs> Tamara comes looking for Len. Uh, at the professor's laboratory. Do we know who either of these characters are? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we go from Tamara looking for Len. Uh, also, Tamara tells the professor that Cornelius Brown's body was found by the river, uh, and it was a boating accident. This was no boating accident. <laughs> oh, boating accident? He was hanging from a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say that boating accident story really did seem fishy. Oh! oh. Yeah! We cut back to the police station, and uh, the first thing we see, of course, is Detective Brighton breaking the gangster's nose. (laughs) Ooh, but you gotta say why, because that's our first little peek. I didn't even write it down. Why? Oh, because he goes to, like, grab at Brighton, and he rips his shirt, giving us a taste. Yeah. (laughs) Taste of those sweet Shane Miner biceps and triceps and deltoids and pecs and oh mama went thinking about it <laughs> and i thought that this was going to be our main bad and what i love is that his entire function in the movie is just to be a punching bag <laughs> yeah we want that it's such a gift to the audience because his whole characterization is hurting the uh, physically handicapped and like crutchy from newsies or whatever <laughs> Like, we hate him. So it's okay that we melt his flesh off, basically. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's called restorative justice, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a really big taser gun is a good guy with a really big taser gun. (laughs) Right before that, though, Brighton was on the phone with someone who he referred to as babe and said i'll be home later we never meet this person (laughs) well we go to their home we go to his home and no one's there yeah there's no babe there no nope there is nobody there that's that's him as a 13 year old boy pretending to know like what you how to look busy during the day like someone walked by his desk oh yes wife yes i will be (laughs) home tonight make me steak yes He does he does have uh what looks like a wedding band on the wrong hand. <laughs> so I do oh my wonder God. Oh he's a boy. <laughs> which a means boy. which does mean later when he has sex with Jackie, that means that a, a teenage boy is having sex with a dead woman. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The promised necrophilia. They identified the body. Cornelius Brown. He doesn't have any family, but Professor Melvin, wasn't he your last big chance? Yeah, his wife and daughter's car slid off the road. Then some crazies desecrated their graves. That's terrible. Well, he was a teacher, and necrophilia is all the rage in the university scene these days. Uh. Was it? (laughs) 
the fact that this movie in a throwaway line had me imagining like college teens digging up corpses and fucking them means it's art. <laughs> and he never solved that case. And Carla says, well, you're not going to have much luck with this case either because it's open and shut, which also doesn't make sense to me. We can't just be hard on Brighton here. This paints a very unflattering picture of the entire Cleveland Police Department <laughs> because that scene opens with her saying like, it's come back. They identified the body as Mr. Brown. It's like, you were at his house. <laughs> his face wasn't that mangled. Yeah. And then, yeah, she, she calls it an open shut case. And she not in spite of the fact that there are no leads and no suspects and no fingerprints and no murder weapons. Because there are no leads and no suspects and no fingerprints and no murder it's weapons. It's a dream case. They don't have to do any work. L- what? Literally the opposite of an open shut case. Like a fully wide open case. There's a lot of discussion recently about like the over romanticization of like cop shows and cop media in general because like they always get their man and that paints an unrealistic portrait. portrait. So this is uh, actually some refreshing bit of realism. <laughs> yeah. Shadow creature. Refreshing bit of realism. (laughs) So Brighton goes to the university expecting to meet Professor Melvin, but is instead greeted by Jackie, who immediately, without any prompting, just starts to defend, oh no, the hair girl project is completely fine. I didn't ask about there. (laughs) He doesn't ask a single question about it, and she leaps on it. Detective Brighton. Yes. You're not Professor Melvin. How do you know my name? Oh, we met before. Some time ago. And where might that have been? Is there any particular reason you wish to speak to Professor Melvin? If this has to do with hair girl, let me assure you that the project is on schedule. They have an interaction which is very uncanny. It's like those moments in a video game where you pass by two NPCs and you can like <laughs> hear a bit of their conversation, but you stay for too long that you start hearing dialogue repeat itself. <laughs> and, like, and like the movement has started to loop. <laughs> Jackie like hints to a history that her and Brighton have. And she immediately changes the subject and he is deflected easily. <laughs> And he is a terrible detective. He's bad at every part of it. He just walks around like using his like gun to like point things out at like coffee shop (laughs) menus (laughs) and like direct traffic. Wait, okay. This is a question because I didn't think about it during the movie. Does he ever shoot the gun? No. No. No, he oh, doesn't, right? No, Shit. He does yeah, no, he doesn't. I don't think the Cleveland PD gives him bullets. <laughs> I think that would be wildly irresponsible. <laughs> so are... how do you load this thing? Oh, no, it's preloaded. You don't even have to worry about it. That scene ends, and then we get a lecture from our professor. Oh, with my, my favorite other favorite line. line. Favorite line, read. And by keeping chemical reaction to a maximum... You are in turn creating a large opportunity for major genetic changes. Professor, in terms of an experiment, won't that move be dangerous? Show some balls. (laughs) My first instinct was like, oh, that's a pretty gender neutral looking person. And everyone laughs at this character because the professor said, show some balls. That comes back when later in the movie that character, like, to take revenge on the professor for embarrassing them, goes into the lab and starts smashing shit up, and then gets attacked and killed by the creature. 
it's not great that if the character was intended to be gender non-binary, the, the, the whole joke is like, have some balls and like, they say it, they use it to refer to the corpse, which is not cool. Yep. Uh, well, I guess it's a corpse at that point and isn't it? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe uh, but, That's a larger philosophical discussion. That's a larger philosophical question than a gender question. Once we're not but meat, are we us anymore or are we it? Do we have identity when we are but intestines strewn about a laboratory? Intestines. Intestines. Thank you. And then we get, oh my, the mayor's theme, which insert mayor's theme here because it is a jam. Yeah. It is so fucking good, and the mayor walks in, and his performance in a in a movie of batshit crazy performances is next fucking level. <laughs> this actor did not do a lot after this movie, and it is a shame because he would have killed it in hallway scenes in the WWE. Like that was the whole thing. <laughs> Oh my god, that's his entire performance of this movie! Yeah. Because he yeah. literally, we cut to the mayor backstage like a WWE performance! Right, exactly. He walks in, he's like, you you done me wrong, professor. <laughs> <laughs> Melvin, I'm coming for you! <laughs> Did you think you could hide forever? Hide? Who's hiding? Melvin, the stuff's not working. The stuff hasn't grown one single solitary hair on my head. You gotta give it to the production designer because think about the amount of sets they had to rebuild because everyone was chewing on them all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah, I felt like every scene from the beginning of the movie till the end of the movie, they must have had different versions of the performances and the director's like really that's the one what about the one where you like kind of like gives it like a little more you know like mystique and he was just like no no no, this one he's got the biggest eyes (laughs) i don't i can't believe the director ever wanted subtlety in this movie i cannot possibly imagine that was ever a marching order for a movie that centers around a bait shop he never once said reel it in. <laughs> oh, everyone gets so many gold stars in this episode. So the mayor is upset because this hair grow antic has uh, made him the laughing stock of Cleveland, which is there's stiff competition in that department, so that's impressive. Yeah, the Drew Carey show was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> How could anyone oh. laugh at anything more than that? <laughs> And then we just cut out of this insane scene to two stoners sneaking into the college. They look like I did on 60s Day during Spirit Week in middle school. That's how they're dressed by the costume department. It's fucking Chong and Chong. (laughs) They're there to steal hydroponics to grow weed. Uh, But whoops, they walked into the costume department. Yeah, and then they're attacked and killed by the monster. Yeah, the little growls and POV camera let us know that the monster's there. The monster's there. And again, they don't they waste no time to show us that fucking monster. They don't they don't hide it. Yeah. We get a little we get a little bit of POV camera, but yeah, yeah this Jaws this ain't. We see this creature Listen, right away. Jaws has nothing on this movie. One, we've got a far more maniacal mare. Two, True. we see the monster. <laughs> Say what you will, this monster worked. 
the, d- yeah. the director was clearly like, listen, guys, we spent $500 on this suit. We are going to get it used. And then we get we get our first little clue of, like, the monster can seemingly, like, he, he slices and dices with his claws, and then he bites and suckles at the blood. But also, it seems like just his palms can, like, melt people's yeah. skin. Faces. Something like that. His Acid. powers His powers are indeterminate. But for one of the stoners, he, like, squashes his head. And we see the beginnings of, like, eyes bulge out like they're going to explode. And then they don't explode. The real tease. And I, it was such a tease. I was... I had I, blue but, eyeballs. <laughs> Nice. Nice. You know, there's something so transitory and momentary about seeing an effect, like, go to its end to, like, edge us, (laughs) to, like, get get us close to climax and then leave us was, like, I was left... More upset, <laughs> like yeah, about that's the, death the principle of this behind guy. tantric. <laughs> <laughs> this is tantric movie making. So you're saying this is the sting of horror movies? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is, and and actually, it's the same plot as the sting as well. <laughs> Pretty close. And so then, at this point in the movie, because our lead slash detective has done no detective work and therefore has revealed no plot points to us. The movie has to help us out, so we cut to a title card that says two days earlier. It's like, Brighton's never going to figure this out. We might as well tell you how this whole thing got started. And then it becomes Rasha Monster. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Josh. God damn it, Josh. Are you and Jamie totally solid? Because you could have me. Yeah, they do. They cut to two days earlier, which is nuts. It, it was like someone was, is like telling you a story or a joke, and they forgot the important bit that like makes the punchline make sense. It's like, oh wait, oh sorry, I meant there's a bait shop. I, I should have told you this. Remember Tamara? From right. the first remember, remember Len? She talked about Len. Well, here's a scene with Tamara and Len. Our two favorite characters. Yeah, because now we see Len working at a tackle shop, and now it's like, wait. So Len's our main character? Technically. Te- technically, yeah. yeah. He's selling tackle. Oh, I need some bait. Uh, what are they hitting on out there today? If you want a really good bite, I'd go with something like zebra mussels. Yeah. Wait a minute. Aren't those those things that breed like hell and clog up industrial waterworks? Hell no. Jack, you can't believe everything you see on TV. Plus, one man ain't gonna do any harm. Well, I guess you're right. After all, Andy, you are the master baiter. <laughs> I'll see you later. Uh, speaking of uh, referencing other things, <laughs> there's a early piece of weird literature well known to people who like watch the first season of True Detective called The King in yes. Yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And it is like a series of short stories. All The connecting tissue of them is there is a play. If you read the first act of the play, you're fine. But then if you read the second act, you go insane. And I feel like if I had shut off the movie when it said two days earlier, I'd be fine. But you kept watching. Yeah, so we, we learned that, that Tamara has been selling the zebra mussels. Hi, Len. Hi, Tamara. Hey, can you get me some more of this bait from the lab? Ice fishing season's about to start, and all the fish are raving about your bait. Wait, no, that's not what you think it is. What? There, bro. Sorry. <laughs> well... 
least with fur, they won't be cold this winter. Accidents like that happen all the time. Ah! Ah! Damn thing bit me! Josh, you're right that it's, like, beautifully insane that the sort of catalyst of mutation in this movie is hair grow formula. It's not, like, chemical waste or nuclear waste. But it is never even attempted to be explained what the fuck Professor Melvin is doing with all these zebra mussels. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> They're just there. They're delicious. And he has so many of them. Of course he does. It's an invasive species that is like devastating the Great Lakes. He should not be selling them. As a professor of something, he should know something better. <laughs> At home, he we get the Eldritch Horror as we get this actually pretty cool, like... He's a cool creature. Pretty yeah, sweet. Body horror transformation of his skin pulsing. And he's talking on the phone to Tamara, and when he pulls the phone away, his ear comes off with the phone. <laughs> and he starts to fucking brundlefly. <laughs> and that was when the movie is like hitting on all cylinders where it's just like yeah, yeah, yeah you know what you want you want to see his fucking ear fall off and you, uh, yeah, like, yeah here it is <laughs> yeah he mutates to have all the sort of qualities of a muscle you know uh, sharp teeth and <laughs> elbow blades <laughs> and claws you know like a muscle <laughs> like a muscle has he looked like the pokemon scyther yeah <laughs> And he ran like Naruto. Yeah. <laughs> like the Naruto yeah, run. Yes. Yeah, he, his, his screams turn into like a modulated, maniacal laugh. He's having a real sort of like wide-angle lens, evil dead type scream turn to laughter scene. And then back to present day. That's when Brighton finds the dead bodies of the stoners, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. For some reason... In this public university, there have been multiple murders in the span of two days, and they do not shut down the school for some reason. So well, we're learning cons- we're learning that that is you know true to American life, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So this is pretty realistic. <laughs> we're told the future. Brighton shows up, sees the like dismembered and like dissolved corpses of the potheads from earlier, and pukes. Yep. He's like, this never happens to me. And then Carla shows up, like mommy shows up. And he, and yeah, and, and he proceeds to tell two different stories that obviously didn't happen. It's okay. It happens to the best of us. Not to me. You remember the time I chased that guy and threw him through the glass window? Do you remember that? Yeah, you bet. His head was totally severed. I was slipping and sliding on his intestines. By the time I found those body parts in the dumpster. His head came off, and there was a lot of blood, and everyone was like, Brighton, you're so cool. You don't care about blood. <laughs> My dad showed up, and he was like, you're a good kid, Brighton. <laughs> I once saw somebody's intestines. <laughs> Guys, the fact that he says intestines, it <laughs> r- ruined me. It made me wonder, honestly, like, how in on the joke am I supposed to be? Like, is the, like, does he know he's saying intestines and that's meant to be funny? It's either, again, he is a child yes. making up stories to make up for the fact that he just got a little queasy and, and puked, or he is the most 
most monstrous police officer <laughs> who has ever lived. He should be executed. Yes. Not not fired, not arrested. He should be executed on television. <laughs> Look at this man who, who <laughs> dismembered. Through a plane glass window and decapitated them. Right. Uh, I, love, I love at the end of the scene when they go to walk off. And she's like, watch out for the blood. He goes, yeah, well, watch out for the puke. Yeah, very funny. Very funny. (laughs) The movie doesn't have a lot of jokes, but the ones that it loads and shoots, all of them hit. They do. Yes, I'll give it that. The punchline of the puke thing doesn't come. Like, that is like, it's a runner, and the punchline of it comes at the most surprisingly wonderful moment. Carla, the professor, and uh, Brighton have a, like, incomprehensible interrogation scene. (laughs) In all my years of police work, I've never seen anything like it before. What do you think could have done that to those boys? Could have been a coyote. A coyote? Yes. In Cleveland? Yes. That was big enough to consume two adult males? Quite possibly, yes. It becomes steamed hams. It, it <laughs> a coyote in Cleveland that was big enough to consume two adult males. <laughs> May I see it? <laughs> you have to be crazy to believe a story like that. You expect me to go back to the chief and tell him that Cleveland's new serial killer is a 500-pound coyote? The professor at this point in the movie probably has no reason to believe that the monster is his fault, right? Like this is a in same set of circumstances. Yeah, like there, there's right. nothing that points to him or hair grow. But he's acting like he has to like put everyone off the trail of him. It definitely, yeah, it definitely seems like he's deflecting with a with a coyote. Uh, coyote. I mean, he has at this point. Spoiler alert raised his daughter from the dead. So he's already been like, so okay. anything could happen is what you're saying. Maybe he is just a little more, you know, cautious because... Right, he's been playing in that dirt already. Like, I, I'm sure he thought, like, maybe this has something to do with my necromancy. Um, everyone in this movie acts very weird. The performances here are so unrestrained, and everyone in this movie should have been... Huge. And only one of them was physically huge. (laughs) And it was not the creature. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Brighton uh, blows a gasket, so Carla says, go walk it off. And Brighton has like a, like, a comedic like a g- 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 ghost. <laughs> yeah, can the professor tell me anything involving a seven foot tall fish like monster? Cause it's right outside this room. <laughs> Carla continues to investigate because she seems to be uh, the one police officer <laughs> in this town. Unfortunately, as Carla is investigating, she comes face to face very hard to tell exactly what height this monster is supposed to be (laughs) it's seven feet tall he said right because she looks up 
<laughs> this scene is like crafted brilliantly because we see the death of Carla, the like his partner, a person who is the closest we've gotten in this movie to like a confidant, a good person, a moral person, someone who cares about someone besides themselves, someone who seemingly has no deficiencies of character. And we see her get killed by this creature in a like horribly violent way. We're left to like assume he like smushes her skull and like drops her body to the floor and Brighton walks in and there's a beat and then he pukes. <laughs> That's like the button on the puke gag is like the tag to the end of what would be the emotional scene in any other movie. <laughs> I think my favorite line I've said that about three times. <laughs> my third favorite line. Oh my What the hell did you eat? It's brilliant in a like difference. It's like a moment of um, clarity from like like someone who's been just like babbling nonsense <laughs> and then like looks at you and then says like you've taken care of me all these many years <laughs> and I will never forget it. What was that, Grandpa? <laughs> Professor explains that hair grow is the only thing that could have created a creature like that. It's a mutagenic extinct plant from South America is the fa- is the basis of hair grow. That he's keeping in a thermos. In this canister is what? Thermos. Canister, I'm a man of science. Whatever. And then Melvin tells him not to shoot the creature because its blood couldn't mutate them or something. They're not sure what. He's taken the last thing that Brighton loves. <laughs> The ability to use his gun. <laughs> All right. He's like, this thing could take over Cleveland, then Toledo, then the world. And I was like, oof, that's oh. the best. Put it in the trailer, damn it. <laughs> yeah, like, people give Brighton information in this movie in the same way you give medicine to a dog. <laughs> like, it, it takes a while to get it in there. He doesn't know why you're giving it to him. He's panicking. <laughs> Eventually, you gotta hide it in a piece of very uh, sudden sexual intercourse. Brighton, <laughs> you really expect me to believe this? Damn it, Chief, it's the truth. The truth. Seven foot slimy monster, my ass. Chief, you're lucky I don't throw your ass in jail. Leave your badge and gun on the way out. You're suspended. No, no, he wants to hear another boating accident. There's been a boating accident in the university that has killed Carla. <laughs> Well, Greg, you yell shadow creature. You got panic on your hands during Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yeah. Right, I've figured it out. It's a cross between a man and a zebra mussel. Yes, and I was right about shooting it. Listen, I've got to get some papers from my office. And I'll meet you later at the research center. I don't know how he's figured that out. We don't actually find out how he's figured. We had out. to finally catch up to the flashback. <laughs> just, he he just watched the movie up yeah, to he that watched point it exactly, <laughs> and then found out that it was Len. And this is when we get the the Q and A student from earlier trashing the lab. Now this shit looks expensive. But not any of the laboratory stuff. Only the off-camera stuff that we don't see. (laughs) (laughs) Not any of the beakers and stuff at the location that they were stealing. And Tamara finds the body. It's unclear to me why Tamara is here at the... (laughs) At the university. She's following the camera. She knew the camera oh, was there. Okay, yeah. yeah. 
Tamra follows camera after Tamra, <laughs> camera, camera, camera. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think that's a Lou Vega song. <laughs> <laughs> but in that scene is when it is truly made clear to us just how not seven feet tall this monster is. <laughs> and God damn it, do they try because like they get a, a high angle shot looking up at the monster being like, whoa! And then the wide shot is like, Five two, that monster like there's <laughs> like sees the monster, freaks out, gets on the floor, just like just like cowers to the floor and just like waits to be ravaged. <laughs> like he's just like he's like, oh no, don't don't get me, <laughs> eat me like one of your French girls. <laughs> and, and and in their death throes, coughs in the middle of it. I don't think he was acting. I think he had to cough after screaming too much. <laughs> yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's so great because at this point, this person has been disemboweled. And it's like, even the screaming, I was like, probably not at that point. And the cough halfway through the to like, ah, ah, ah. Was awesome. It's also great because it's probably like the most sausage sausage intestines I've ever seen. Intestines. (laughs) Where there's a moment where you can literally see a full link. And I was like, oh, you might as well have had the tag from the butchers. (laughs) And it would have said, kill Basa. So yeah, the monster chases Tamara through the school. Tamara gets slashed in the back. Yeah. My favorite part probably of the entire movie is Tamara is kind of like outside and Melvin is getting put into the limo by Greenspan's goons and she kind of yeah. sees them and is like trying to wave them down. And Greenspan's goons like shoves Melvin in. And and we get a shot from the side of the limo. Are you students here? I like this guy. He's funny. And the goon starts punching Melvin in the stomach, and he and it, and it gets this like great meaty like beanbag sound, and they keep reusing the sound effects. It is so goddamn funny because it just sounds like it's like you're cheesing one punch in like Tekken <laughs> against a friend. The car drives away and we see Brighton's car pull in. As we see the the Greenspan car pull out, you hear as it's pulling back. Like they're still punching the whole we're uh, meant to think the whole ride away. They're just fucking wailing on Melvin's midsection. Uh, his poor intestines. <laughs> that joke is reused too. Should we take her to the hospital? She's kind of bad. This is nothing. I once saw somebody's intestines. This is, this is a flesh wound. 
a callback that arguably gets Tamara killed because spoiler alert, <laughs> we learn that she dies of her injuries later. And I don't know, maybe if he hadn't just shrugged it off and brought her to the goddamn hospital, she would have survived. This again, this scene broke me in half because I'm like, is this movie stupid or genius? Because it's like, yes. <laughs> the, yes, the answer is yes. Uh, Jamie, I am so sorry you didn't enjoy this movie, but I am not going to sit here and entertain the notion that it is not a masterpiece. <laughs> that, it is, that all of these things aren't purposeful. Yeah, yeah, I think we should continue on this thread of three men abjectly berating the lone woman for not feeling the same way as us. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I think this is a Let good... me properly explain the movie to you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just didn't get you it. Did it. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Don't divorce I love me. You. <laughs> divorce him. The funnier bit is when I go into the edit and literally erase her. <laughs> 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 That's gonna be the ultimate, Jamie. <laughs> Jamie this episode? Uh, the video high crew minus Jamie talks about Shadow Creature. Yeah. Then we get a review of someone being like, this is your best episode ever. Wait, it sounded like she was in it. She was laughing at all of their jokes. <laughs> no. Jamie, your critique is valuable, but wrong. wrong. It's fair. <laughs> oh, so what, what does Brighton do when he comes home and sees Jackie asleep on his couch? He just shakes her awake and then just, what were you doing at the mayor's office? This is going to fucking territory. A hundred percent. Like this, this part, this part is the only part of the movie that is fucking sweating for itself. But you're right, Josh. He immediately lays into her about like, or starts interrogating. I mean, he lays into her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She slaps him across the face kisses him leads him upstairs and the music is like it's too intense to be sexy and then we cut to right after coitus like just boing done (laughs) presumably right after they finish (laughs) oh was that good for you what were you doing at the mayor's office no he doesn't ask if it was good for you he (laughs) says jackie i had a great time and i know you did too Oh my god, oh, did he? I missed classic. That. That's yeah. a, that's a direct quote. He's just like, you know what? I think we just had really great sex. And she's like, was it? And he's like, Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah. And she's like, okay. Like, <laughs> I'm a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> While he is insensitively just barreling through saying how great a time they have, we have a newscaster in the background updating us on Tamara's condition, which is dead. Um <laughs> think in B movies like this you can have the dumbest plot it does you can have the worst characters they do (laughs) (laughs) Josh looks like Jamie and Greg will be getting cut out of this podcast you and me me. these are two meaningful plot moments sex and death both happening off screen both making them more effective the Tamara death to me like hurt more than any of the other deaths because this was a character who was like so innocent unless you want to count illegal muscle smuggling and I guess like the destruction of the Great Lakes. <laughs> well, especially because she's like the closest to Len. Like like in any more nuanced film, this would be like a King Kong beauty in the beast situation where Len's chasing after Tamara because like he loves her and like they were friends, but no, like he indiscriminately kills her like everyone else just because she happens to be there. And like, it kind of just took a oomph out of it for me. See, my argument 
would be that is more nuanced because this 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 reality people come in they have sex you don't you forget about it you only remember the terrible bedspreads and uh, <laughs> underwear that they're wearing people get hurt they die in hospitals somewhere you don't even see them you hear it about it on the news yeah let, let's not give the movie credit for just forgetting its entire ensemble <laughs> There are so many things that are passed over in favor of scenes where we get Greenspan talking to his big bushy-eyed Italian gangster connection. Yeah, because he's taking mafia money to get some hair. (laughs) Get some hair on the head. You look ridiculous. We find out about the, the, the death of Tamra, which for plot purposes doesn't matter. No. She could have lived. Yeah, Yeah, right. She could have anything. You're totally right, Jamie. Like, if in a different, better movie, her connection to Len would have incited some sort of dramatic. It would have been a bigger deal. Yeah. But it wasn't. And it's completely meaningless and they move on. Life is meaningless, Josh. Guys, Len is gone. You guys think Len is coming back from turning into a. There's only Shadow Creature. Mayor Greenspan gives Professor Melvin a truth serum. Oh, how do we know it's a truth serum, Casey? Uh, I you don't know. It's fu- you gotta know how we... you gotta look really closely. You know, it's one of those like blink and you miss it things. Uh, there, he, at one point in the scene, he's holding a, a syringe of the size of a PVC pipe that says truth serum on the side of it. <laughs> oh, that truth serum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but why does he do th- like what is the lie that Mel- he thinks okay, Melvin is telling guys, him? Guys, I have a new theory. Ooh. Everyone okay. in this movie is a 12-year-old in an adult body living out the fantasies of what they think that their dream job is. Like you got mad scientists it's like, "Yeah, immortality medicine and truth serum." And then like the mayor who wants to take over the world. Brighton and Jackie show up. They save the professor. Not before Melvin tells him that the plant has crazy more powers than it just or can. growing hair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, it can't grow hair. <laughs> the one thing it can't do, it can bring people back from the dead. It can create fish monsters and immortality. It can't grow hair. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it wanted the formula all along. The formula? Why? I think it wants to perpetuate its species. It's my guess the creature wants to convert the muscles and in turn infect more humans. Are you trying to say it wants some playmates? Exactly. Another sound effect. A boing. Boing. Oh, but Josh, the sound oh. comes from him slapping his forehead with his gun. Does it? That's, I that, that's important to note that the sound effect is 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 spurred by that. Oh my. Boing. Are you saying you made a time machine? Out of a zebra muscle? <laughs> boing, 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 boing. <laughs> They're like out in an alleyway, and Professor Melvin's explaining we need to like overload his ions or whatever, so the only way we can do this is, and he brings out Chekhov's uh, really <laughs> big taser gun. gun. <laughs> like, it's got to be used in the third act, baby. <laughs> but we learn that, the, that it has two hours to charge. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, one shot at this, Brighton. Meanwhile, at Lens. Something's coming! Something's coming! Ah! 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 Ah!
Brighton zaps the broken nose gangster oh. with the taser. He walks awesome. in the door. Brighton whips around with the really big taser, zaps him. Shoots first, asks questions later. That's it. Fucking immediately whiffs. Fucking done. had one Taser's job. Done. Immediately whiffs. And we like gruesomely kill the guy we've just been beating up on all movie. <laughs> And then the mayor shows up right after him, and then he starts demanding the formula because he wants to be an immortal president. Right. This is when we get the heel turn of the mayor, uh, just thinking he's a god. heel turn? Yeah, it was a heel turn. I think he's- Well, he he turns from heel to maniacal supervillain. Super heel. The Greenspan storyline is really a late blooming flower. That flower blooms really late in the season of this movie. Caesar. Hannibal. Idiot men, me. Right. Those are your. Uh... <laughs> That's nothing in comparison to the fury of the ancient ones. And by that I mean uh, Len. Len. <laughs> <laughs> this formula is capable of the ultimate mortal dilemma <laughs> death. That's right. The power of immortality. Just think of it. President Greenspan. Hell, if I don't win this term, I'll just keep on trying till I do. And I will succeed. Do you know why? <laughs> because I will live forever! <laughs> and then the monster, Len, starts just ravaging all of the other goons. And I think right. Brighton just grabs the canister, or thermos, canister, away from Len. And then they start running off. To, that starts the chase. Yeah. To a boat warehouse? I have this written down, and I can't tell if I was a genius when I wrote this or just going mad. Bright idea to zap it with power lines. <laughs> Brighton has the bright idea. Oh, oh okay, no. okay. Yeah, you were going mad. <laughs> yeah, welcome, welcome, Josh. Welcome beyond the pale. Oh, it's yeah. the water's fine out here. I see it. I see everything now. <laughs> Jackie goes to turn on the breaker. Then she runs into, at long last, the Finally, floor sweeper. The prince who was promised. And it's not worth the wait. At this point in the movie, there's no time for the, like these shenanigans. Like, <laughs> You know, that's not the mayor's only problem. The other problem is that beat hair tonic he has. You know what he ought to do? He ought to get a living toupee. I'm telling you. You don't that. get it, do you? The reason why Fred Armstrong is given his own luxurious credit for a complete throwaway character is because he did the titles. <gasps> what? Oh, okay, that's that makes bad sense. ass. He that was a he was an animator. That was like he came okay. from an animation background. So that's uh, why. All right, that's clutch. <laughs> they MacGyver a sort of like lightning rod harpoon to kill the monster with there's one moment right before they do that though that i i really loved where like brighton and the creature getting like a little fight and he knocks him off a ledge and he he does it's it's this great horror movie trope that i will like he michael myers did he michael myers (laughs) did, and you can see brighton just be like well, Brighton, old boy, you've had a you've had a long, rough day fighting this shadow creature. You know what? You should treat yourself. You owe yourself a little look away for a moment. You owe yourself. Oh, but don't, not too long, buddy. Let's let's check that. Monster. What? It's gone. 
then the monster appears directly behind him. That that Michael Myers couldn't even. Michael Myers yeah. wishes he had that kind of speed. Yeah, Michael yeah. Myers saying shit <laughs> on Shadow Creature. And then Brighton uh, skewers it. Jackie hits the power and zap. Fried lead. Yeah, unfortunately, Melvin's been fatally wounded. Somehow? I was Somehow. very unclear on yeah. this. <laughs> but Jackie runs over to the professor and calls him father! <gasps> what? <laughs> Turns out she did die in that car crash, but he used the formula to save her. Unclear. Somehow. How that would work. Like, did he create a new daughter? Did he dig her body? Oh, he did dig her body up. Yes. Oh, yes. God. it's the reveal, guys. Oh, oh. he desecrated the grave. Son oh, Jesus bitch. Christ. Oh, no. Guys, oh, it's God. great. They oh, seed God. it throughout the whole movie. We get that gross necrophilia line at the beginning. We are distracted by the thought of corpse fucking. There's not confirmed corpse fucking. It's just we know that the no, grave's been defiled. There is confirmed. <laughs> oh, that's true. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's eventual. Oh my God. Yeah. At the be- yes. He degrades necrophilia in the beginning yep. and then does it. Yep. Yeah. And then in the flashback Len bait shop scene, he's talking to Tamara about like, eh, yeah, you know, my buddy uh, was one of the ones who pulled that car out of the river, said uh, the mother, the wife was all messed up, but the daughter's <gasps> body, she was oh. kind of, you know, pristine. Oh. That's why he didn't bring back his wife. Yeah. I hate this now. <laughs> I was in love with this movie, and now I'm furious. That's why Jackie, when she saw Brighton, was like, yeah, I know I know who you are. I was like, what? Like, I was like, when <laughs> right. did this happen in the plot? And then I was just like, oh, right, earlier in the movie. But I was too busy furiously writing, trying to get every other piece of plot down. Like They could have put the words, Jackie is Professor Melvin's daughter, up just as a title card at the beginning of this movie. But they just flashed like a stroke. Light, so many crazy things. That was genuinely a very good twist. I guess. Yeah. Why does that make me hate it more? I know. Like, <laughs> like the fact that it is weaved throughout the movie should make me appreciate it more. But it but means for they focused reason... only on this plot point's consistency. Yes! That's what it is. Yes, you, you nailed it. It's because they spent so much time doing that and like that was the most important thing that the rest of the movie just forget it yeah but father we can use it to save you i'm an old man i lived a full life time for me to see you mother everything i did i did for you jackie wait and so they run out and they are, you know, it's the sunrise on a new day. And Jackie yeah. says, Stay away from me. I know what you must think of me. I don't care about the past. I only care about now. And right now, all I care about is you. And then they kiss. And I lost my goddamn. I stood up and went, She's dead! That's a corpse! What's this? What is this movie? <laughs> like, you think the movie's over, right? We, 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 we had this big reveal, the hero 
kisses the gets the, the coral kisses the corpse. gets the corpse. Yeah, boy, boy meets corpse. But no, we we see a bunch of just schlubs in a fish store, and we get this little fish shop of horrors bullshit. <laughs> Why in the world are they giving away these zebra mussels? Yeah. No Why? Invasive species. Everyone wants them. <laughs> they are in love with these People horrifying are... mollusks. It turns out the Midwest loves free garbage. You can just <laughs> right. be like... Well, yeah, because that one guy's like, yeah, you should see my pond. They're full of these things. Yeah, give me, give me six. <laughs> yeah. Guy literally explains that they're choking the ecosystem, like, in line, and everyone's like, yeah, okay, give me two of them. Keep, well, give, me, give me an extra one. I'll keep it in the freezer. Uh, the, literally, the last shot of the movie is an old man walking out of a fish store with his grandson, yep. and then it's the end. Because, because I think, again, the central message of all cosmic horror <laughs> is <laughs> that we human beings are bent towards our own destruction. And the end of this movie is about, I, you know, I, it, honestly, it's unclear whether it's meant to say that all these zebra mussels are potential shadow creatures, but even if it's just these uh, zebra mussels are going to get all across the Great Lakes and, like, destroy the ecosystem, still the central message of this movie is we are... Uh, absolutely hurtling and embracing whether willfully or just out of our own sort of like ignorance childishness selfishness we are hurtling towards our own destruction and we will willingly bring it on so long as there is an inappropriate apostrophe <laughs> yes Free zebra mussels with an apostrophe on the mussels. As long as there's an inappropriate apostrophe on there, we will happily walk into oblivion. Hand in hand with our grandchildren. And then meeting us in that afterlife? Bloops. Oh, like every great <laughs> Immediate bloops. Immediate. There's not even a title card first. It goes immediately like we're going to another scene, but we've already seen it. Right. And it's it's a two-shot blooper reel. It's a very short <laughs> blooper reel. Yeah, I was I was like, "All right, buckle up." I was ready right. for the blooper reel, but we get two. We get Melvin walking out with a wig. Uh it works now. Funny, very funny. What, what's the second one? It's Len screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Len screaming, then going, "I'm gonna win an Oscar like that Forrest Gump man." <laughs> no, uh, even better. That's that. It, that would be funny, Jamie. But he he kicks it up a notch. He says, "You know, if I keep this up, I'm gonna win me one of them Oscars like that Forrest Grunt guy." <laughs> Now that's how you know it's real comedy. That's like roll credits. (laughs) See you in the lobby. (laughs) Have fun, everybody. (laughs) Happy movie. Shadow Creature Ripoff Report Card is brought to you by Ohio's National Pop Museum. If you call it soda, we're kicking you out. (laughs) (laughs) Some B-movies have a pedigree. Shadow Creature does not. 
<laughs> very few of the creative team went on to do very much in the commercial film world. Yeah, they didn't have to make more than one movie. They nailed it. <laughs> it was David Scrivani. David Scrivani is one of my people. David Scrivani. <laughs> it was David Scrivani's sole producing credit. It was James P. Gribbon's only directorial role and one of only a few cinematography credits, which he mostly did on documentaries. It was Tracy Goddard, the woman who played Jackie's only credit. So what are we left with? Well, for starters, lead muscle man Shane Miner, not to be confused with the country singer of the same name, was a former Mr. USA who the previous year bared his ahem, soul within the covers of Playgirl, but he also appeared in the 2000 action movie called Solid Cover, where he has a bazooka, and I imagine he continues to take off his shirt. Sick. But probably the pinnacle of his screen career came with the release of his Active Abs Daily Workout video. (laughs) (laughs) While Shadow Creature's crew has a combined filmography that looks more like a pamphlet than a novel, it does follow in a long line of movies that transpose their setting. Of course, Hollywood sits in for so many locales, but many other mini-moguls have used their local digs to tell stories far away. One that's particularly egregious is Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, where, for the majority of the film, Vancouver stands in poorly, as you'd imagine, for the Big Apple. (laughs) More recently, the 2013 Alan Rickman rock and roll nostalgia piece CBGB also sets its sights on New York City, but was unconvincingly shot in Savannah, Georgia. Well, Shadow Creatures was shot in Buffalo, New York, but doggedly and needlessly insists that it's Cleveland. Because reasons. It's confounding because one Rust Belt city seems intent on calling itself another. Like it fucking matters. They're both on the same, like, they're not far apart. It's like going to Milwaukee and how everyone there hates folks from Madison. And Madison is like, oh, Milwaukee's super gross. It's like, it's cool, guys. No one cares. Despite little film work before or after, at least they all got together to make this. That and screenwriter Jason Walthusen went on to write something called Cannibal Roller Babes. So I guess maybe I take it all back. Immense <laughs> talent at work here. <laughs> yeah. God, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) Alright guys, as with all assignments here at Video High, what from Shadow Creature might end up on the final test? I have been saying intestines wrong my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Casey, I think at this point you should just edit together words that I've said in this episode to say (laughs) a more positive review of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll do it here. Jamie, uh, have we changed your mind about the movie? Oh, yes, at this point, this movie is my favorite. I can get behind this plot. This is uh, actually my dream movie. I felt this personally. It's impressive. Jaws has nothing on this movie. Thanks, Jamie. (laughs) 
That's really big of you to say. <laughs> wow, I can't believe she said that. <laughs> well, we're very persuasive. We're very persuasive dudes. Yeah, and she's fickle with her woman brain. <laughs> oh, God. We're dancing on uh, Razor's Edge. <laughs> if anything, I learned that punching a guy in the gut a hundred times every time will get funnier. Oh my god. I think after a movie like this, uh, there's only one thing for me to say. Fingle way, Mughalan Wolf, Brighton, Cleveland, Waganagal Fatahin, in his house at Cleveland, Dead, bright, and wait, streaming. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity, and it was not meant that we should voyage far! <laughs> there wasn't enough racist stuff in there. You're right. Actually, you know what? Now that you mention it, very not Lovecrafty. <laughs> There's the bell, meaning another class here at Video High has come to an end. Boo-hoo. Our next lesson will continue this October spooktacular as we cover director Roger Evans's Forever Evil. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, including the Up In Your Ears podcast network. Thank you to Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessitore of the band Scout Harris for our theme song, Justin Ferraro of the bands The Rizzos and Low Boy for our other music, and I would be remiss if I didn't shout out Dave Kane and them Jazzbeards who did all the music for Shadow Creature, which, like the movie itself, is cray-cray in just the best way. Thank you to Ann Shearer for our logo. And as always, thank you to our teacher, Mr. Philip Marlowe. Follow us on all the social medias at Video High Podcast. And from all of us here at Video High, Greg Hansen, Jamie Kennedy, Josh Roth, and myself, Casey Regan, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next class. We got dark and end of the worldy. We got sexist. We dipped a little bit into race science. I think we really did it this time. (laughs) Speaking of which, it really has to do with the size of their heads. All right, everybody. That's it for Video High. I think for good. This is probably the last one ever. (laughs) Up up, up, in in your your ears. ears. Podcast Network.